Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Today we are joined by one of our student ministers, Jet Gordon, as he delivers an incredible sermon regarding his favorite message on John the Baptist. Now, let's hear from Jet. All right, man, this is, this is a new sensation here, this microphone. Man, um, yeah, like Justin said, I am from Colorado. Uh, that is kind of a big part of my story that I will touch on a little bit later. Um, but yes, I hear all the weed jokes. I hear all of the, uh, the different kind of comments that come with being from Colorado. I love uh, the humor behind them, but no, I've, I've loved Texas. The summers are brutal. I can't get behind them. I, I, I'm not adapting as well as I anticipated. They are brutal. So I am learning to become a Texan. Uh, I don't know if that's something that comes with time, that you get the thick skin to develop uh, a tolerance to 114 degree weathers. But yeah, I'm a proud uh, Colorado native at heart. Um, and yes, I am a Nuggets fan. Right now I'm living like a champion. I'm still hot off an NBA win, so once it comes to football season, I will be less excited as the Broncos are not as fun to root for. But yeah, man, I am excited. Um, I am a high school and junior high minister, and so this is undoubtedly the earliest time I've ever gotten up to teach or to preach, Um, but I'm still excited just to dive into the Word, uh, just to be with you guys this morning. And I love, uh, you guys are in this kind of series, I guess, for the summer called Fan Favorites. I love that, man, because they're, even within the church, between lessons and series, there is kind of a a rare moment where you get to teach on exactly what you want, right when you want to teach on it. And so I'm excited to teach on something that has been uh, close to my heart for many, many years, um, the story of John the Baptist. And so if you guys have Bibles, you can kind of pull them out and be ready We'll be in the book of John. Um, But before we kind of hop into that, I want to tell you guys a story about me. This is from my time in Colorado. When I was in Colorado, uh, going to school up there, punk teenage kid, needed to make some money, needed to get a job. And so I figured I would go work in construction. And so my first job ever was in construction. I worked for a company that did uh, like acoustical ceilings. They're not in here, but... You guys know what those are and like sound treatment and stuff like that. And I was actually the truck driver. I was a delivery driver, nothing fancy at all. I wasn't an installer. I wasn't working in the office, but I got to whip around a pretty sweet ride. You got a picture of that thing? Oh yeah, this, this, was, this was the ride here, if you can pull it up. It was a nice 16-foot flatbed Azuzu. This was my baby for, for a couple summers as I was a... A uh, 16, 17, 18-year-old kid who just somehow scored a job that was in construction here. And so this was my, my beast, and I had no idea, other than the basics of driving, no idea what I was doing at all. And so I got this job. I was excited to make money. I knew I could work hard. And some of my first days in the shop there, I was working in the warehouse, and I knew that my responsibilities were going to be to go between job sites, pick up stuff, pick up materials, go to distributors, do all sorts of stuff. I had multiple tasks to do. I knew I would eventually have to do those, but I kind of figured I would just learn them when they came. Uh, I would tackle those when they got there, and I was like, I can drive, I I know that. 
And so the day eventually comes, and my boss, the warehouse manager, he's like, all right, Jet, you gotta, you gotta go out, we've got a job, you just you gotta clear off the stuff. That's, that's the only instruction he gave me. He's like, go clear off the site. So I'm like, all right, man. And I take this truck and I drive down to the site, and there is just, I, I could not have been prepared less. There is just a massive pile of junk, of just stuff. There's material, there's tools, there's trash, there's all sorts of stuff. I have no idea what to do with it. And so I'm looking at this and I'm like a 17 year old kid. I don't know what I'm doing. And the wheels are turning, but I'm, I don't even know the first place to start, how to put it on this truck, how to get the weight distributed, where to put it so that it'll get strapped down. I don't know anything. And I'm just looking at this pile of crap and I'm thinking, man, what am I going to do? And so thankfully there was a foreman on the job who comes out and he probably sees the look of panic on my face. And he's like, Hey man, I'm like, is this your first time? You look a little lost. And I'm like, yeah, man, uh, first day on the job, first day on the site. Um, like, I need, I need a little help if you're willing. He's like, yeah, I got some, some time. I'll, I'll help you load the stuff. And so thankfully, he just helps me load a bunch of it. And I'm like, okay, sweet. This is making it easier, just a two-man job. But then as he's helping me load this truck, this guy just starts dumping wisdom on me of the construction world. He's like, yeah, man, when you put it on here, you got to make sure you put heavier things up front, closer to the cab, distribute the weight a little bit. When you put the straps on, you got to protect stuff. He's giving me tricks of the trade that I just had never, ever thought of. There's no way I would have known. And so I essentially let him load the truck for me. This guy loads it all up. He gets it set. It's secure. It's amazing. It's great. And I'm just like, sweet, man, you like saved my skin. I had no idea what I was doing. And I drive back to the shop and my boss, the warehouse manager, sees me pull in. It's full of stuff on the back. And he's like, wow, man, that, you did a good job. Like you loaded that up really nice. I'm actually pretty impressed with how well you did there. And of course, like any arrogant young man that gets a compliment, I said, well, thank you. I tried my hardest and that was really like something that I worked hard on. I put a lot of effort into that and I must just be a natural, like can't wait for the next job. I'll tackle that one. Give me something harder next time. You know, I'm just cheesing it up, laying into it. And I took the compliment, took all the credit for it. Didn't mention at all that it was not my doing, not my knowledge. And I just took it all to myself and I took all the credit there. And that story, goes to serve as a, as a poor example of humility, but humility nonetheless is something that I want to tackle today, just speaking of John the Baptist, because when we see uh, John the Baptist in scripture, I think there is such an example for us in, in everyday life to see how we can live out humility, and we can see kind of the consequences of the lack of humility. And so, I obviously in that story, I wanted to take credit. I wanted kind of recognition, even when it wasn't deserved. But I feel like that's a common thing uh, for us, for guys. Man, if you work hard on something, you, you want the credit for it, man. If I put time towards something, if I put money towards something, if I put energy towards something, then yeah, I feel like sometimes there's, there's a respect or there's a recognition that it should be coming our way. And we are so uh, kind of quick to believe that. And so... I want to bring up the story of John the Baptist, because if anyone ever had the rights to say, man, I've, I kind of am that guy, I feel like I should get some recognition, I feel like I should kind of have some respect, I feel like John the Baptist has the right to say those things. And so, just to give some context to you guys, John the Baptist, man, in his day, in his time, <clears throat> excuse me, 
was a pretty popular guy. Um, man, he, he was one that had a following. He was a guy that had kind of crowds of people surrounding him. Um, and it wasn't for no reason. I bring up this Malachi verse here because this is, these are some of the last words in the Old Testament. Obviously, this isn't the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, you start to get a glimpse of where John the Baptist is going to pop in the picture. And so we see here uh, Malachi 3. This is 400 plus years before John the Baptist takes the scene. And it says this. It says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And then, yeah, then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And then the, truly the last two verses in the Old Testament. <clears throat> man, excuse me, guys. The last two verses in the entire Old Testament say this. They say, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. It's kind of ominous, but he speaks of this person, this prophet. He speaks of this Elijah to come. These are the last and final words of the Lord before a 400 plus year silence. And then we get John the Baptist. He pops onto the scene in the New Testament. And John the Baptist is kind of like the, the front of this new beginning, of this new promise within the New Testament. And we see the Old Testament come to a close. And then John the Baptist is, is like the spearhead of the New Testament here and of Jesus's ministry and his story. And you guys, I'm, I told you I'm acclimating to Texas weather, but I, I understand if anything within the last week that it can be a little uh, temperamental and it can shift on a dime. Man, Texas weather can change in an instant. And you know when you're, you're outside, maybe you can see blue skies and clouds or maybe it's just a sunny day. And in one direction, it's beautiful. And you look out and you see it and you're like, man, it's a nice day. Maybe it's 100 degrees, but it's a nice day. And you turn to the other side and you just see a wall of dark clouds. And you just see the storm that is going to come. I've, I've seen this so many times before and I always see it. And I think like, wow, that, that looks terrible. Like I can't wait for that to come and just be, be done with. And in Texas, man, it can come in an instant. But there's always a brief moment before the storm comes when you kind of get a little bit of a warning. Like when the storm front is moving in, it's not just instantly like thunder and lightning and rain. Usually there's like kind of a, a push, a breeze, and maybe like a temperature drop or something. Just the very front of the storm. And then you feel the, the rain and the thunder and the lightning and all that. And John here, John the Baptist, is just that beginning part. He's not the storm. He's not the real meat of the story here. He's not the, the actual uh, kind of thing that we are focusing on, but he's that very beginning, that front little push of the breeze, the drop in the temperature that lets us know, hey, something new is about to come. That's what John the Baptist is saying here. And people in the New Testament are starting to realize that. People are starting to realize, hey, something new is coming here. We've read these things in Malachi. We know that we're waiting for someone. And John the Baptist is kind of fitting the description of this, this man of God that people know of and people know about. He's baptizing people for repentance of sins. Like People are, are noticing him and wondering, hey, what is his role? What exactly is John the Baptist doing here? And he's got everyone. He's got crowds. 
man, he lives out in the wilderness, but this dude has a following. He's, he's drawing crowds. He's drawing the masses. And he's got everyone from tax collectors to uh, soldiers coming out to just see him and see what he's doing, maybe get baptized by him. He's kind of like a, a little celebrity back in the first century times. And it's, it's odd, but the, he's outside of the city and the people in the city, they know what's going on and they kind of want to, they want to know, but they don't want to, they don't want to make it obvious, you know? It's like social media. They want to see it, but they don't want to actually go and be there. And so <laughs> they're, they're looking at the Facebook live stream. They're on Zoom of what, of what John is doing here. Um, and so some of the Jewish leaders in the city, they send out some people to kind of go investigate what John the Baptist is doing. And so that's where our text is here in John 1. I'll, I'll read a passage here. And they're just kind of investigating. They're kind of probing to see, hey, what is this guy all about, man? What, what is John the Baptist really doing here? And so I'll read a little chunk of John 1. It says this, it says, Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely. He said, hey, I'm not the Messiah. And they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Again, these, these things that we have expected from the Old Testament. And finally, they said, well, then who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you, say, what do you have to say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. He said, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. And now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah and you're not Elijah or the prophet? And he said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one that you don't know. For he is the one that comes after me, the one whose straps of, the, of his sandals I am not worthy to untie. And so he kind of has this idea, this this concept of what the people expect from him. These people are asking him questions and saying, hey, are, are you the one we're waiting for? Are you the one uh, that fits this description, that fits the bill? And, and if anything, John has the chance here to, to take it all. John has the chance to say, man, I am that guy. Kind of like I did when I came back to the warehouse with that truck full of stuff. I could have totally, I did say, I was like, man, yeah, I, I totally did that. I'm that guy. I, I got it all, all under control here. This is my work. This is my kind of pride. And John here has the exact same chance. People are coming up to them. They're saying, man, John, you're doing amazing things. You're baptizing. You're, you're prophesying. What is going on? Are you the guy we've been waiting for? Are you the one that we want to come and see and worship? Are you the Messiah? And man, John has every chance here to take a hold of what I feel like a lot of us deep down can kind of want, which is to be seen, to be recognized, to be seen as great. Something that I feel like all men desire is this recognition that, man, we have worked hard towards something, and then we get a recognition and a respect from that. And John here has every chance to take it. He has the platform. He has the potential. He has the people around him to take that. And he doesn't do what I did with the warehouse and with the truck. He doesn't say, yeah, I am that guy. But instead, he chooses a different path. And that's the path I want us to focus on because he understands, it's not that he just took it to be different, but he understands his place in the kingdom of God. And it says just a couple uh, verses down in verse 29, it says that the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one that I meant when I said a man who comes after me 
has surpassed me because he was for me. So this is John saying, hey, I, I know my job. I know my role. I know my responsibility. My mission here is not to get all of the respect, is not to win over the crowds, is not to be admired by everyone. My role, my job, my mission here is to point to this guy named Jesus and say, hey, it's, it's him. It's him. He's the one that you want to be looking for. He is the Lamb of God. Behold, the one that takes away the sins of the world. And this fits with another uh, pretty iconic, I guess, quote from John. Uh, in John 3.30, I'm sure you guys have known this one. He says that he must increase. Jesus must increase and I must decrease. This is kind of John's, John the Baptist's motto for his life, for his ministry, for everything. He's saying, hey, he must become greater. I must become less. And this fits right in the same theme is that John is saying, hey, I know that I have so much potential here to be prideful, to be arrogant, to have it all, supposedly, but I'm going to turn that down. I'm going to become less in order that Jesus can become greater. That's the trade-off that he's making here. And I, I love that he says that, but man, I think we take for granted the fact that John acted this way. I, I honestly don't know if I would have done the same. I would have been tempted, man, just like I was with that truck. I would have wanted to take credit. I would have wanted to have a little bit of admiration, a little bit of respect from the people. But instead, John here takes the most humble answer and says, no, 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 it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about what I've done. It's not about who I am. In fact, I'm using everything about my life to point towards Jesus. I'm using everything about my platform to point towards Jesus. And I think about this because John is at a, a fork in the road where he equally has an opportunity to be humble like he is and like he does, or to be prideful and to be envious and to be conceited and to be uh, kind of controlling even more so. He's at a fork in the road where he could go either way. And we can find ourselves in that fork in the road as well, especially in modern day culture, man. When culture is telling us, hey, you, you never have enough. You're never actually satisfied. You always need a little bit more. You can always make a little bit more. You might not be all the way happy right now. Like never, never settle, never be content, always be chasing the next reward. Man, culture tries to feed us that with a spoon. And here John is saying, no, 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 it's not, it's not about that. I'm not going to live that lifestyle at all. I'm not going to desire for more. I'm not going to try to chase after empty rewards or chase after something that will only be temporary. But instead, I'm going to turn all of that down. I'm going to turn all of that away. And I'm going to face the temptation and say, no, instead I turn to Jesus. And so this reminds me that the encouragement uh, comes in, in kind of two separate verses that aren't about John the Baptist. But man, I think they drive a common theme home. In Philippians 2, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, this, this virtue we're learning of here, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so for us, man, for, for men of the 21st century in Allen, Texas, Man, the motto that we should be living by is that same one that John the Baptist lived his life and his ministry by, is that Jesus must become greater, we must become less. Man, that's the trade-off, and it happens each and every day. It's not something you're just like, all right, like, 
I said it once and now I'm done, you know, like <laughs> check off the box. But it's a daily sacrifice that Jesus must become greater. He must become more. We must become less. That is the trade-off here. And it, it comes in the form of and in the title of humility. And I know that word is a little tricky. It, it hurts me sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to be humble. I don't want to be humility. I don't want to have humility. That is humiliating. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's what I often associate it with. And I want to discourage that. I want to say that's not the truth, man. I, I once heard it said that humility or being selfless is not thinking less of yourself. It's not a self-hate. It's not a kind of detriment to yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's putting others before yourself. It's thinking of others, thinking of the interests of others, as we see in Philippians here, before your own. It's being loving in a Christ-like manner. Man, that's what humility is. And I think that's something we can all uh, work to be better at each and every day. And that this points to the last verse I'll, I'll give you guys this morning. It's Colossians 3.23. This is another one I feel like the, the strong men of Allen, Texas, this has got to be like our common motto here. Whatever you do, work unto the Lord, not unto earthly masters. And I feel like we read this and it's like, okay, yeah, like I, I work hard, man. I, I'm, I'm going to work unto the Lord. And I think that's awesome. And I do think that's good. But the key of reading this verse after hearing this story of John the Baptist, after hearing what it means to be humble, what it means to serve Jesus, that he becomes greater, that we become less, so we read this and it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, working for the Lord. Yeah, we all have, I mean, you guys are all about to go into a hundred different jobs. I don't know how many guys, are. I'm really bad at estimating numbers. I think there's like 60 people in here, maybe. I don't know. We're all about to go to different jobs. We're about to do different things. We're about to talk to different people all throughout today. And each and every one of us is going to work hard at that. And that is good. And I think that is, is a part of what this text is saying is, is work hard. Be, be a good and strong worker. That is, there's merit in that. There is value in that. But the key is also working for the Lord looks a little different than everyone else that's a hard worker. And if hard workers, they're, they're all out there. But if you are a hard worker that loves Jesus as well, that would call yourself a Christian that follows after God, then working to the Lord means that you are finding ways in your day to make Jesus greater and to make yourself less. You are finding ways to show humility in your leadership. You're finding ways to be like John the Baptist, to be in a position of, of potential power, of potential influence, of potential platform, and say, hey, hey, wait, it's, it's actually not about me. But I want you, instead of looking at me, I want you to redirect your focus to this guy named Jesus. I want you to see that the thing that actually keeps me going is the God that I serve, is the, the Messiah that saved me. I want you to see that the root of who I am as a person is found in my God, is not found in me or my money or my, my items, my possessions. It's not in any of that, but instead it's in my Savior. And that's what John the Baptist is saying. That's what his life is saying here when he says that he must increase, I must decrease he must become greater. I must become less. And it's a daily choice to reorient the way that you perceive your life, that you perceive your job, the way that you perceive your family, the way that you see your leadership roles and your work and everything. Man, it's using those opportunities to see how he can become greater, how we can become less, that we can be humble and have humility in each and every day. And so 
I think, yeah, I think working for the Lord means working for his kingdom. And, and that looks different for everyone. But, man, at the end of the day, it's us pointing to a guy named Jesus and saying, hey, it's all about him. And so I know you guys are, like I said, I don't know how many people are in here, but I know we're all about to go to different jobs. Uh, and so I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you for the rest of all of your days. But I want to encourage you today especially Man, look for a chance. If, if people just notice, like, man, you, you did a good job with that. You did, like, what makes you work so hard? Maybe you bring it up and you say, hey, man, I, I worked my hardest on this, and it's not for no reason. And people ask for the reason why, why you're so joyful, why you're so hopeful, why you're so hardworking, man. Be ready to give an answer. Be ready to give an explanation for the hope that you have and say, man, it's, it's because I work as if I'm working for God. And that means something different to me because I know that Jesus is supposed to be made more and I'm supposed to be made less. And so there might be some discussion questions at your guys' table. Man, I want you guys to talk about those because I know I can, I can talk about humility all day, but there's practical application. And so if you guys have a few minutes and would love to discuss those, I would love for that to happen. Uh, and then at your guys' tables, after you discuss those, if you would like to close out in prayer, um, that would be really great. I will pray as we go into this discussion time right now. So if you guys would bow your heads with me. Uh, Father God, I pray this morning over this room of men, um, Lord, as they go out into the world, as they go out into their lives, um, just today, especially, Lord, that they would have humility on their mind, Lord, that that would not be a, a scary word or a daunting word. It wouldn't be intimidating to us, uh, but it would actually be exciting, Lord, that we could look to the next 12 hours, the next 24 hours, and see opportunity and see a chance to glorify you more than we have yesterday, more than we have the day before that, Lord, that we can see today as a chance to say, where can we make you greater? Where can we take a, a smaller step, a backseat, Lord? How can we become less so that Jesus' name can be lifted higher, Lord? Help us to be bold. Help us to be encouraged in our environments, Lord, and whether that's family, whether that's work, whether that's friends. Um, God, give us boldness. Give us courage uh, as we seek to be uh, just devoted followers of you, Lord, men of Christ, men of God. So God, be with us. We love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org, and we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.